0: So the key thing I think leaders need to realise is that if change is happening in the world or in your organisation that impacts your team and you are a people leader, you absolutely have a responsibility to steer people through it so that they get through it in the best way possible. And that's not optional. That's leadership. Welcome to Leading You. I'm your host,
1: Julie Hyde, and in this space, we delve into the dynamic intersection of leadership and mindset. Join me as we uncover the essential tools and insights you need to sculpt your own success and lead a life you absolutely love. With me today is Leah Metha. And she is a speaker, trainer, facilitator and a two-time author known for her direct, enthusiastic and relatable style. With a background in leadership, corporate communications and journalism, Leah works with executives, leaders and teams across Australia to help them improve their communications and self-management. Welcome, Leah.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Julie, and thank you to everyone out there listening.
1: Yeah, it's so good to have you. And As I said before, I absolutely love the name of your new book, which is Leading Through the Storm. It is so relatable, both
0: personally and professionally right now. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, steering through the storm is something we're all doing, whether it's in our personal lives, our work lives. And although it's written for leaders, really, anyone who's navigating challenge and change and quite frankly, who's not at some level can benefit from this book.
1: Oh, 100%. And um, I'm a big believer that we're all leaders regardless of title. So what I'd love to know firstly is what steered you toward the stormy
0: waters of leading your own business? Yeah, great question. So I started my own business when I was on maternity leave, actually, after having my first child. So I started my career in journalism, worked as a newspaper journal, went into corporate communications for a few years and leadership there as a comms manager. And then I had my first baby and I had three boys in three and a half years. And I often joke that some people called me crazy and I called it efficient. And their listeners is my type A person personality coming through for you. But I knew pretty early on, I knew I wanted to have my family close together. Uh, I knew I wanted to stay home and be as present with them as I could be. And I was lucky enough at the time, uh, my ex-husband had a job that allowed us to do that. So I wanted to be there for the kids, but I was really conscious and I I chose to resign from my job actually, while I was on maternity leave from my corporate job, because I knew that I could go back part time, but I knew my personality that I wouldn't be very good at that. I am a kind of all in person. And I thought, I don't think that's for me. So I resigned, but then I was really conscious of not having a big gap in my resume. And with all of my networks and my contacts, I went, you know what? I'm going to start my own business, put it out there that I'm available to help. Initially, it was more as a consultant with, you know, communications advice, strategies, media, uh, PR, and it went from there. So I I was lucky enough, well, I really created my own luck that I was able to work while I had a young family as much as I wanted and in the time that suited me. And then as my kids got older, I started working more and diversified the business to eventually where I am today, which is working full-time with awesome clients all over Australia to help make the people part, essentially, of communication and leadership easier. And I do that these days primarily as a trainer, a speaker, and a facilitator.
1: Yeah, awesome. So that's such a brave decision for you to decide to jump out and do that. Did you initially find the transition interesting
0: i actually loved it i actually really loved it i am a fiercely independent person i think i know now having been my own boss for probably 12 years or so and i think a lot of people who run their own businesses say this but i'd be a crap employee these days i think i uh, you know it gives me great motivation to have a successful business because i think you know what i i just love running my own show. So for me, I suppose it didn't feel brave because, and again, I get this is a very privileged position to be in, at the time I had the safety net of my husband at the time who was earning a, a really healthy wage and I was going to be at home with the kids anyway. We had had our finances in order so I could have chosen not to work, very privileged position. So, it was a great, safe way to test the waters and and it grew from there. That's awesome. Go you. So,
1: when we talk about organisational change, I believe that it can be harder for the leader to lead their people through that. And I've certainly experienced that myself, depending on what the change is, what do you believe is the most important thing for a leader to
0: focus on when you've got big change going on? Do you know what? I think one of the most important things for leaders to realize is that they have a responsibility for leading and steering their people through change. Because here's the thing, and it, this book that I've written on leading through change, I make the distinction between leading through change and leading change. What I believe is there's a whole lot of work out there around how to manage or lead change. When you're the decision maker, you're the person coming up with the change, you're you know, working out what it's going to look like and the key messages and all of that. But How this book actually came about was from a leader in the power industry here in the region where I'm from, in Gippsland, Victoria, in Australia, saying to me, he was a middle manager and the power industry, the coal-fired power industry is in transition because we need cleaner energy in the future. So it has to happen. But this is change that's being imposed on them. And they get it. They get that it needs to happen. But it's not their change. It's happening whether they like it or not. And this leader said to me, have you got anything on leading through change that you can't control, you don't necessarily like, but you've got to do it? And that was really the seed because I went, there's not much out there about that. For the, the leaders who find themselves in the middle, some of them don't realise they even have a responsibility to lead people through change. They think, well, I'm not the big boss. It's not my decision. The CEO will drive the change. Or in a big organisation, there might even be a change team that's leading the change. So the key thing, coming back to your question, that I think leaders need to realise is that if change is happening in the world or in your organisation that impacts your team and you are a people leader... You absolutely have a responsibility to steer people through it so that they get through it in the best way possible. And that's not optional. That's leadership.
1: Yes, I love that. I love what you said there because I've seen from having a corporate background and I was there for 21 years, I saw so much change like just about every two years. And it was really dependent on the leader how well the team got through it. It's just not up to a leader to say, well, not my decision. We just have to do this. Let's just do it. That's not leadership to me. It's like, right, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Communicate, communicate, communicate.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I still come up against some leaders in title that don't understand the difference between leadership and management. You know, management's about tasks leadership is about people. And occasionally I still have those leaders who say to me, oh, Leah, I just need them to get on with it. I don't do feelings. Emotions don't belong in the workplace. The change is happening, whether they like it or not, just get on board. It's that like it or lump it approach. And my response to those leaders is first off, if you don't care about your people, you should not be a leader. And I say it as frankly as that, because Leadership is about people. And that would be great if they could just get on with it if humans weren't emotion driven beings, but we are. So, this whole concept of I don't do feelings or emotions is ridiculous because humans are emotion driven beings. And Brene Brown's got a fabulous quote, and to paraphrase that, She essentially says leaders must either invest time dealing with the feelings, emotions and concerns of their people or it will cost them time in people problems, conflicts, sick leave, stress leave, resignations of your high performers. So for those leaders who think, oh, I don't have time for that, which is one of the most common objections. I don't have time for the people bit. My argument is you actually don't have time to not invest in this stuff because it will cost you so much more time if you don't.
1: Yes, 100%. I'm totally on board with that because I think one of the most natural reactions for people is when change is imposed on them, it's the resistance it's like, oh my God, this is not happening or I don't want this to happen. I just want things to say how they are. So how can they approach that? A human centric heart led leader, um, how can they sort of get their team through that first
0: initial phase? Yeah, look, I think one of the key things for leaders is to make sure you know a bit about how humans respond to change. Because Humans are really good at adapting to change. We saw it during COVID. We can do it. However, the way we are wired primitively is to see change as a potential threat. Our very instinctive first reaction, we are wired for comfort and certainty. We like habits. We like rituals. We like our comfort zone because it conserves energy. And that primitive part of our brain, the amygdala, if a change or uncertainty hits us, our very primitive response is to go, oh, possible threat, throw us into fight, flight, freeze. Now, we have evolved as humans and what we do next is the important bit and the part that leaders can guide people through. But I think it is really important for leaders to understand that expect resistance, expect emotion, don't be surprised by it expected. It's people having a normal human reaction. And, you know, you mentioned denial. We know the common responses to change. They are the same as the common responses to grief. You know, the Kubleros ross change curve, which we don't present as a curve anymore because we know it's not linear, but those, you know, those base reactions of denial, of anger, fear, bargaining, some people go to acceptance, some go to depression, These are so normal, so we need to expect it. And then it's about balancing empathy and accountability. We do need both when we're leading through change, but we've got to start with warmth and get curious about what Fear or why the person's resisting change. We usually find that they're, you know, and in my book, I actually outline nine reasons that people resist change. And if you can get curious and try to understand what's going on, is it that they have change fatigue? For some people at the moment, it does not matter what your change is. It's the change that broke the camel's back. <laughs> they're, they're cooked. How you respond to that person is very different to the person who's resisting the change because maybe they don't understand the need for the change. And the reason getting to the heart of this and getting curious Curious, not furious is one of my favourite sayings. You know, get curious, not furious. Don't get angry that they're resisting. Try to understand why. Because what that will give you is the next step in how to lead them. Because if someone's saying, I don't understand why this change is needed, this is ridiculous, you know, we don't need this, then that is straight away the little bell going off in my head saying, we, we have not communicated the why strongly enough. We need to get more information so that we can be explaining the why. And they they might not like our why. <laughs> our people might still not like it and disagree with it. But if they understand it, they're more likely to get on board. Yeah, totally. And I
1: would add to that, I think through my experience in leading people, it's also helping them understand what's in it for them getting them on board somehow with that but I love what you said there and that's why it's so important for leaders to communicate with their teams individually like the blanket rule going through change as we saw through COVID doesn't work we have to be communicating with people individually because it's different for everyone how you experience going to be different to how I do
0: absolutely and it it's so individual because it depends on your What's going on for you at the moment on your background, on your circumstance, on your stage of life? And a great example of that, I'm doing some work at the moment with one of the power stations that has a closure date of 2028 down here in, in the Latrobe Valley. And I'm working with the leaders on how to steer people through what is essentially a long storm. <laughs> you know, it's great that they've got the notice because the one of the other stations that closed down here, they it happened within four months. It was quick. It was hard. It was a really challenging time. These uh, people have got, they got an eight-year notice. But what they're seeing at the moment, the leaders, I was working with them just a week ago and I said, what are you seeing at the moment? And the variety of reaction was enormous. You've got some people that the closure date will see them to retirement. So they're going, happy days. This is this is wonderful. You've got uh, younger leaders, uh, some going, what an opportunity. I get to be part of this through till closure. This will look great on my resume down the track. You've got people in their early to mid fifties who the closure date won't see them to retirement, who are really reacting, who are very stressed. I don't want to do FIFO work. I don't want to do fly in, fly out work. Will I be able to get a job locally that pays as much? Will I be able to get a job locally at all? You've got people with big mortgages up to the hill and young families who are going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? You've got some people saying, why are we even talking about a transition program now because the closure date is in 2028, that's ages away. In the same team, you've got someone else saying, why aren't we doing more about transition yet? Because it's so soon. So it's a great example of there is no one size fits all and you have to make the time to meet with your team. And again, those leaders who say, I don't have time. You don't have time not to. And it's not just about meeting with the people you think are struggling, which is a mistake I see a lot of leaders make. You need to meet with all of your people one-on-one because sometimes your high performers are at the biggest risk of leaving. And if you are not touching base with them, and finding out where they're at and the opportunities potentially that they'd like to explore, you can be really caught off guard and you've got all your attention on the people who are struggling and resisting and you you leave your high performers to it. And then bang, the resignation letters on your desk. They've already got a new job and they're not interested in the conversation about, well, can we keep you? 100%.
1: What would you do if you were confronted with a diagnosis that threatened your life? Would you continue to live as you are, or would you make some big changes? That's what happened to me on the 6th of October in 2021. My life changed within a second, forever. This moment was a catalyst for me to look deep within and assess if I was living a life I loved. I wasn't. I was tolerating too much of it. And now I've made big changes, and I want to empower you with the choice to do the same. My second book, You Always Have a Choice, is now available and I share nine powerful strategies to let go of overwhelm and the relentless juggle and implement changes so you can lead a life you love. Head to youalwayshaveachoice.com.au to grab your copy. So, when we're talking about storms, and I'm going to get you to share just a couple of tips for people in a moment, but um, is there a storm that you have had to navigate personally where
0: it's like now I have to implement all of the tools and strategies? Take my own advice. <laughs> wow, this is this is such a pertinent question because something that. Initially, it was in the first draft of the book and I actually chose to take it out in the end. I was navigating a massive storm writing this book. So I was actually putting every strategy I teach to the test as I wrote it because I was actually navigating marriage, separation and divorce as I wrote this book. So, yeah, I know it works. I had to take my own advice. There were times I almost had to go, what did I say to do in this situation? (laughs) you You know, because it's hard. And when we're under pressure and dealing with change and, you know, there's studies out there that say, aside from the death of a really close loved one, a marriage separation and divorce is one of the most stressful things you can go through in your life. So, yeah, I I have, and I've put these skills up, believe me, they were road tested as I wrote this book. So, I think it is an important point that whether it's in your personal life or your professional life, whether you are a people leader or simply leading yourself, these are skills and strategies that are really crucial, as is understanding how we work when we're navigating change.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry to hear that, Leah, and, you know, thank you for sharing that because, um That's one of the biggest changes, especially when you've got three boys in tow. So there's so many emotions going on and it is at these times where you go, okay, I do this for other people, now I need to do it for myself. So good on you for doing that.
0: Yeah, well, look, it was. It was a, a real chance for me to go, this is a leadership role. I need to lead my family through this. With my ex-husband as well, you know, we are family forever. We have a relationship forever. We've got three gorgeous boys. I want us to have a really positive relationship. So the very first thing I did, and it's my tip to leaders about the very starting point if you have to lead yourself or others through change, is to ask yourself, what do I want to be known for? as I lead through this, what do I want people to say about me when I'm not in the room? And I really challenge listeners to go deep on that. This is not fluffy words on a poster that you stick on your wall. This is, this is real heart stuff. This is who are you and who do you want to be as you navigate? What's going to be a hard time? So I asked myself that at the start of the process, I went, look, this has potential to get high conflict. It has the potential to be really tricky. What do I want to be known for? How do I want to show up for my ex-husband, for my kids, for, you know, everyone impacted? And I went, you know what, I want to show up with nothing but love, kindness and compassion. And that's not these fluffy words. That means a lot to me. And those words sound lovely, but Julie, I've got to tell you, they are bloody hard to put into practice (laughs) when you are navigating that. But what they became for me Was my touchstone. They were like my North Star that despite what was coming back at me, despite how I was feeling or how I wanted to react, I would come back to those words and go, love, kindness, compassion. That's how you're showing up. You know, I'm not a superwoman, folks. I had my moments. But what it did was allow me to go, okay, I need to process that myself. I need to find a healthy way to work through whether it's my frustration, my anger, so that I can show up with love, kindness and compassion to my ex-husband, to my kids as we're working through this process. So I encourage everyone listening, it's big thinking, it's powerful thinking, but if you really nail what you want to be known for, and it speaks to you, that will help guide your behaviour through really, really tricky times.
1: Yes, that is such a powerful way, because that was going to be my next question, and you've just covered it. And, you know, kudos to you, that takes incredible courage and strength to do that. And as you say, it's not something that comes easily all the time but it's your touchstone. It's something that you can come back to. It's what you anchor yourself to and allow that
0: to guide you. So, yeah, and you're looking at the big picture, right? And this is for leaders too, where you go, what does success look like? Where do we want to be when we get through this change? What shape do we want to be in? And for me, that was going, we're family forever. I want to have a great relationship with my ex-husband, you know, as well as it can be so that we can co-parent these three gorgeous little boys for many years to come. So it's that big picture thinking of going rather than getting into it in the moment, I'm playing a long game here. I want a great relationship and that needs to guide how I show up. Yeah.
1: Oh, Leah, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing insights into your very powerful mindset and also for sharing tips for leaders to navigate through change. But I really want listeners to take this on because there is no doubt (laughs) that in 2024 we will be navigating storms of various, you know, um, intensities. So there's some
0: amazing tips in here. So thank you so much, Leah. Thank you so much for having me, Julie, and thank you to everyone for listening.